This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. Ah, Chris Sarandon, dreamboat theater actor, Oscar nominee for his work in Dog Day Afternoon. And who can forget his memorable role of the evil Prince Humperdinck in the ever-popular film The Princess Bride? Well, now Chris Sarandon, who is happily living in Connecticut with his wife, actress Joanna Gleason, is finding a new role, that of podcast host of Cooking by Heart with Chris Sarandon. This is a show which combines the nostalgia of food with memories and sharing. Well, last week on Center Stage, I spoke with Chris about his humble beginnings in West Virginia, working for his parents in their restaurant, and his eventual path, discovering the theater and his sole home in acting. Today, I talked to him about two of the superb acting roles he is recognized for and where he goes from here. But first, here is Chris Sarandon speaking about the genesis of his podcast, Cooking by Heart. And my brother-in-law said, why don't you do a podcast? And I said, come on, everybody's doing podcasts. And he said, yeah, but you have a unique background because you're Greek. You grew up in a restaurant. You cook for us whenever you're here. We know you love to cook. Do something about food. And I said, everybody's doing something about food. And then I thought, what comes from my heart? Mm -hmm. And that is, I grew up in this place that sort of formed me, the restaurant. And why not share that with other people. That is to try to bring out of their past what was important about food when they were kids. What did their mom cook for them? Did their mom work? Did their father cook? Did, they, did he work? Uh, what was the dynamic around the dinner table? Did you go out to eat? What were your favorite snacks when you were a kid? And what ends up happening is that stories come out. It's not really about the food per se, although I ask each of my guests to give a recipe. And they immediately and enthusiastically comply. It's about the stories and the people attached to that memory, to that childhood memory, which is, as we all know, so very, very strong in all of our lives. And what comes out of these conversations is really quite, it's quite extraordinary. Funny stories, sad stories as well. You know, this is not a, a, a just a feel good podcast. This is really about the stories of our lives as we're growing up and how it's influenced us uh, going forward. This is amazing. How What a wonderful idea, because I'm already feeling awash with the memory of food myself. You know, you're, you're inspiring me to think of my own connections. And when I think of great films like Moonstruck, uh, Babette's Feast. Oh, Babette's Feast. My Dinner with Andre. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about food as a source of communion, yeah. literally. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right because this does, you know, it's not just another cooking show, thank God. (laughs) I mean, Uh, we've got enough of those, but you're talking about something much deeper and this pleasure principle, which permeates all of us. And I think it's a marvelous thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm I'm trying to, even though in the beginning, just, just in terms of attracting listeners, I'm concentrated very much on uh, people in the entertainment field because I know a lot of them and literary people as well. I, I also have a federal judge who's an old friend of mine, who's a gourmet cook, who talks about growing up in West Virginia and a woman who worked for the family, an illiterate woman who made this extraordinary bread recipe by literally grabbing handfuls of flour and pouring untold amounts of water. He said she, she never made less than 10 loaves of bread. So that's the only recipe he has. 
is for 10 loaves. I talked to a wonderful comedian named Greg Proops, who's from, whose line, oh, uh, whose line who's, is it anyway? Yeah, I um, remember him well. His, both of his parents worked in restaurants. So it's very interesting how, you know, this thing kind of, uh, uh, the, the, the degrees of separation are few and far between. You this know, I talked to my, Michael Patrick King, who's the director, producer, writer, Emmy, Emmy winning of, of Sex and the City. Michael, many memories of bad food at home. <laughs> And his mother's tears and the mashed potatoes. Well, that mm -hmm. became a theme of the of the podcast. Profound. Uh, Adriana Trajani, a, a, an author uh, who writes cookbooks as well as 18 novels and has been translated into the 38 languages. And she's uh, extraordinary. Uh, the list goes on and on. I've got Carrie Elwes from The Princess Bride. Uh, uh, I'm going to do a special Fright Night Halloween oh, excellent. podcast with three of the members of the cast. Excellent. Uh, it's been great fun and also an extraordinary learning experience as well. I can imagine. I have to say, I watched the Michael Patrick King podcast. It was absolutely extraordinary. Oh. And when he told the story about working at the saloon restaurant in New York City, all mm -hmm. of us performers know that experience of having to really get down and get dirty and just work as a waiter. I love the thing that he said about the fact that he never worked more than three months in one exactly. place. Exactly. Because he said, if I, if I settle in one place, then I won't make it and I have to make it. And he did that for 18 years. It's a beautiful form of successful man. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he had such self-discipline about that and it's true. I've interviewed many, many artists who've said the same thing or someone came into their lives and just woke them up and said, yes. get out of here. Now you've got yeah. to go out and do your art and it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. going to be a risk. But I have to say the personal story he shared about Ruth Gordon, I died. <laughs> I thought about it all night. That, yeah. that was one of the best things I've heard in years, my yes. God in heaven. Right. And I can only hope that when I'm her, well, I was her age, I could be the same and so current, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's so one I, of the reasons I'm doing this. That's, that's the reason. Yeah. You know, not everybody can pull a podcast off though, Chris. And, and, you know, you think, okay, you're a great actor. You've done a little bit of everything. You work with some of the greats in the world. You've had such a career, but you actually have this beautiful laid back personality and you manage to let it flow while keeping the boundaries, let's say the structure. Well, to me, the show is not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about the person who's telling the stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's important because that's what's going to, that's what the listener is going to identify with. I mean, right. you know, I'll inject myself here and there when there are things that we associate together that I, oh yes, I remember something like that. But generally I try to stay out of the way because these are all extraordinary storytellers. All of these people are. I think you're on the right road with the celebrity element. I think, you know, we all need to know that they're real. Yeah. And that they've come from humble beginnings. And yeah. again, getting back to the food quotient, like your mom said, tell them who you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's so yeah. beautiful. That's right. You know, how can we find your podcast? And are you doing this every week? Or are you doing it? We are doing it uh, biweekly. That is every other week. And we had the initial launch of three episodes just to sort of whet everybody's appetite. Our first three episodes were Michael Patrick King, whom you mentioned, Adriana Trishani, the author whom I mentioned, and Tom Holland, the director who directed me in Fright Night, uh, Child's Play, and one other movie, but has directed other films as well. Coming up, I believe Carrie Elwes is next. 
Uh, and that will be uh, next Tuesday because that'll be two weeks from this last one. Then we'll have the Halloween special with Jonathan Stark, William Ragsdale, and Amanda Burse, all of whom had played the lead roles in Fright Night with me. Then I'm not sure what the order is going to be, but I also have uh, Michael Tucker, who formerly of L.A. Law, LA but Law, now yeah. a playwright, a novelist, a gourmet cook, an extraordinary gourmet cook who has the most marvelous stories about growing up in Baltimore and his food life there. As I mentioned, Greg Proops, whose line is it anyway, a comedian, a very wise man, by the way. You know, I enjoyed Greg Proops when I lived, I lived in England for 20 years where I based my own career. And he was a staple on whose line is it anyway, the British version. I will never forget that. Uh, The power of all those comedians to be able to just extemporize on the spot amazing amazing you yeah, know yeah, yeah. comedy and brilliance go together oh absolutely yeah you got to be smart to do comedy well we have got to watch out for your podcast all the time because i have a feeling this is going to become a thing i hope um, so and, and out- i will mention that uh, if anybody was, is interested just go to chrissarandon.com and all of the platforms there are links to all the platforms there i both the audio and video because we're going to release them on youtube as well as right. apple spotify iheart so wherever you you listen to your podcast you'll be able to find it cooking by heart with chris sarandon and you know i think the way the world is going chris if we have to put things into a capsule to show who we were yes, your right. podcast will be there your podcast will be there because we're talking about what's important it's life food and what are stories of our lives that's right that's listen right. i can't have you on without asking about the princess bride oh the Princess Bride to me is, to many of us, of course, it was one of the films of all time. It's interesting because it's so different than the novel that William Goldman uh, first wrote. Yes. Yeah, and the novel was darker. It's almost, I feel dangerous approaching The Princess Bride because you've probably been asked a million times and all the lines that are quoted. And we all look up to the movie as, or at least I do, as a sense of the perfect cast. Yeah. And- I don't think Rob Reiner could have got it any better. Perhaps that's why it stays with us so indelibly. Mm-hmm. But can you tell me what the experience was like working with Rob Reiner? Rob Reiner, I'll tell you a quick story. I was cast in an audition. I was on a bus riding up Central Park West. I was living in New York at the time. And I was going to William Goldman's apartment to audition for Rob and Bill Goldman. And I had a newspaper in my hand reading about the New York. I'm a big sports fan. Reading about the New York Knicks and the fact that the New York Knicks had drafted this guy, Kenny Walker. And I was incensed. I just thought it was a big mistake. And I walked into the apartment with in this mood. And uh, they said, hi, how are you? And I said, well, I'm okay. But, you know, the Knicks, they just, I can't believe what they did. And Bill Goldman immediately perked up and said, really? What, 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 what? And I said, well, the, the, the Knicks, they drafted Kenny Walker. And he went, isn't that the most ridiculous thing? And we got into a conversation about the New York Knicks that lasted <laughs> like 15 minutes. And finally, <laughs> we hear, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, it was Rob. Excuse me, guys, uh, can we just... Uh, can we would you like to read chris <laughs> i said jesus i'm so sorry of course of course and so i read the scene the scene if anybody those of you who know the movie in which prince humperdinck essentially says please consider me as an alternative to suicide to princess buttercup uh-huh. and uh i read the scene and when i finished rob roared with laughter <laughs> and first of all i immediately understood ah 
comedy is serious business. That's right. I didn't play the scene for laughs. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of director Rob is. First of all, he's a great audience. That's number one. His uh, empathy for actors in the performance is just manifold. And also, he understood in this particular case that you can't make fun of it. You can have fun with it, but you can't make fun of it. Because if you're winking to the audience, then you've lost that sense yes. of immersing them in the reality of, of the piece. The stakes have to be very high for everybody. And that's the brilliance of Rob Reiner. He knew that from the very beginning. He understood it when he read the book. He convinced Bill Goldman to let him direct the Goldman screenplay. And the rest is, you know, is cinematic history. history. Yeah. Did I hear right that actually Robert Redford at one point had the option to make the film? I even have a story about that because when I was uh, married to Susan, she was working with Redford on a movie called The Great Waldo Pepper. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about the fact that he loved this book and he, he gave it to her to read. And so we both read it and I flipped out. I just thought it was the best thing I'd ever read. Just mm -hmm. the, you know, the multiple realities that are operating, the, the story within the story and uh, the fact that he purports to be somebody else writing the book, William Goldman, it's oh, all yeah. so sort of meta, meta, meta. And, and we love the book and Redford couldn't get it made. Nobody would let Robert Redford make The Princess Bride. And uh, ultimately, Rob Reiner just persisted. And William Goldman talks about, or talked about, he's no longer with us, sadly, uh, about his efforts to get it made over the years and how it, it would just about get made. And then the person who was the green light person at the studio would get fired. And the person who came in to take their place said, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not taking any of his, right. his schedule. I'm, I'm going to pick my own. And the movie got tossed around a lot that way. So it nearly didn't get made. Apparently, Francois Truffaut w was interested, uh, Norman oh, Jewison. I mean, yes, it would right. not have been the same movie. No, um, no. I, I also read that when William Goldman saw uh, this is Spinal Tap. He knew that Rob Reiner was was the guy. That the, the sensibility was correct because again, yeah. those guys are not playing for comedy; they're just playing straight out wacko <laughs> uh, rock musicians, <laughs> basically with a given the uh, but also given the comic uh, improvisational brilliance. Right. One of one of my favorite films of all that, time. That, you know, Henry, Harry Shearer and and all those guys. So tell me, was the role of the prince yours from the beginning, or did you have designs on one of the other roles? Were you interested? When in I read the book, yeah. I, I thought I was Indigo. <laughs> I and thought, you could have been. I've got to play Indigo Montoya. But credit where credit is due. And I, I was not disappointed, by the way, to be cast as Prince Humperdinck. I love the script, and I love being a part of this group. But I thought Mandy was amazing. He was. Yeah. He was truly amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I've got to tell you the other thing, all of you and your hair, it it was amazing. <laughs> your hair. Well, we have, you know, we yeah. had we have the the advantage of, and this was another smart thing that Rob did. He wanted to do it on location. He wanted to do it someplace where the the uh, technical capacity was up to the script, and that's the Brits. They do this stuff better than anybody yeah they do and we had you know we were in a 13th century castle shooting in central england we were on the beautiful north sort of midlands of, of england yeah. 
all those locations that were great. And the top-notch everybody costume designer, the hair people, uh, Norman Garwood, the guy who designed the sets, the the production design, Adrian Biddle, the uh, cinematographer, all the best Brits. To be involved with that film, of course, I mean, you've gone down in history as a cult, and I'm sure that you're thankful. When you look back at those beginnings in West Virginia. Oh, absolutely. What an experience. Do you have have any favorite moments from the filming um, experience that you could share with us? Uh, essentially more a matter of what the atmosphere was like all the time because it was it was one of seriousness about the work but at the same time laughter and community there were no real restaurants around this was at a time when british cuisine was at its was poor lowest Mm -hmm. uh carrie always talks about this in his his book as you wish Yeah, yeah. yeah and in his book so Rob set up a hibachi in his room and we would go to his room at night and we would have hamburgers and we'd sit around and play games and talk. And we had a great time, uh, both <laughs> off and on, because we were in one, you know, we were in a hotel together for a couple of three months. Then we were in London yeah. shooting the studio. But Rob believes very strongly in creating a community. And he also has an eye for actors and casting was impeccable. Yes, he does. And yes. and, he, and they got Andre to do the movie. I know. Andre, Amazing. Andre Rosimov, this extraordinary man. Andre the Giant. Yeah. So so gentle and so really flawed, you know, physically from his life. Yeah. But yeah. I found it incredible when I was doing research for this that he had been driven to school by Samuel Beckett, the playwright. Because he couldn't fit into the school bus. Oh, my gosh. And so Samuel Beckett offered to take him in his car. This is extraordinary. Drove him to school every day. Yeah. Wow. Well, bless you, Chris Sarandon, for sharing those things with us. Wow. Oh, please, my pleasure. Amazing. I've got to ask: When in your young days did you act with Al Pacino before you did Dog Day Afternoon? No, I knew Al socially because I had done a play. My first Broadway show was uh, The Rothschilds, which was a musical about the Rothschild family on Broadway, and Al was at the time going out with Jill Clayburgh. And oh, Jill yeah. was the female lead in that show. So I knew him socially just through Jill. And then I also knew Sydney Lamette because my ex Susan had done a movie with Sydney as well. So there was a kind of a little bit of a social network there, but not, you know, I was not close friends or anything. So Sydney Lumet is considered to be the real actor's director. Oh yeah. Your performance in Dog Day Afternoon is absolutely mind-blowing oh thank you it's short it is so incredible you take up all the screen what was your experience like on this I mean you know you come to New York boom you're into this huge movie you're immediately nominated for everything and I have to say your performance was stunning um what was the experience like for you at that point in your life and especially with Sidney Lumet well Sidney Lumet was he came from the theater he came from the Yiddish theater originally. Mm-hmm. So Sidney's MO was that whatever movie he was doing, he always rehearsed the hell out of it before he did it. Ah. So we rehearsed for three weeks and we worked in a studio with the set of the bank set taped out on the floor. And since I only had a street scene, a scene in the barbershop, we didn't really, we rehearsed that, but uh, Al and I rehearsed a lot doing the telephone scene. And the telephone scene originally was 
by the way, that that screenplay won it, the movie was I think nominated for eight Academy Awards and mm-hmm. it won for best screenplay. Frank mm-hmm. Pierce, mm-hmm. and the screenplay was great, but the the phone scene was a little on the melodramatic side. Al and I, after reading it through, we did a read through at the table and. We both looked at each other and then we turned to Sydney and we both felt that the scene was, it started out on a fever pitch. Oh, you son of a bitch, how could you? You know, you, because they had a very contentious relationship, these two guys. And the real story is even stranger. And we both felt that, you know, when you're in a relationship like this and one of you has just been in a hospital, the other's in a bank holding hostages, the situation's melodramatic. You don't have to start the scene melodramatically. Right, right. So we just started improvising. Uh, hi, how you doing? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. So the dialogue sort of began with the two lovers, ex-lovers in a way, married by a priest, these two guys, the scene started in a very kind of, you know, conversational way and then became more confrontational as the scene took place. And when we finished the improv and we were using a lot, almost all of Frank Pearson's information that he had put in the, in the script, but just kind of rearranged it a little bit and started it differently. And Sidney went, whoa, stop. Okay. Um, and he went and got somebody with a tape recorder and we did it again. And this time we said, okay, we left this out and let's try to go this. And we started it again. And we did like four or five of them. And then Sydney had somebody transcribe them. And we all got together, the producers, Sydney, me and Al, and we decided which version to use. And that's the version that's in the movie. My gosh. And then Al and I would uh, uh, periodically, because I wasn't up right away. I wasn't shooting right away. We would get together whenever we could and just run the scene just to keep it fresh. And then he was on my end when I was shooting my interior in the barbershop and I was on his end of the phone when he was doing his. Wow. Talk about instinct, Chris. Yeah. 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 Talk about instinct. And that's the kind of director uh, Sydney was. He he loved actors and he he was a genius with casting as was Rob Reiner. The same thing. Yeah. When they get it right, they get it right. And we benefit. Wow. Thank you. So you are now married to the actress, Joanna Gleason. Ah, yes. And I think quite happily, and you've got nine grandkids. And it sounds to me like in Connecticut, you're having a big family affair. I love it. What a life. What a life. I can only imagine outside of the podcast that, you know, when everybody comes over, there's there's a big feed in the kitchen. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) In fact, we'll have Thanksgiving coming up. And we'll have 30 people at Thanksgiving. Wow. Including my kids, my kid's mom, uh, who's a good friend of Joanna's. You know, we have the in-laws, everybody, everybody comes. How fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And life, life revolves around food and family. And why not? It's the best of both worlds. I love it. I love your sincerity about this. You know, Chris, I think this podcast is going to take off. I think this is a fantastic idea on your part. As as they say, from your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) I think you're already there. But also you're serving the community. And again, that is just as important as mentoring. And it keeps the synchronicity of things rich. Absolutely. You know, I'm working with. come to you working with Sacred Heart Community Theater. I'm, I'm doing the podcast at a studio in Norwalk. I'm uh, doing all my work here in my home office. That's a bit of a shambles, as you can see this morning. But at any rate, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, a homegrown affair. 
Wonderful. You know, yeah. I think that you need to have Christopher Walken on your show. I Ooh, mean, that's he, a good idea. He's he around. grew up in Queens. His family were bakers. He worked in the bakery. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear wonderful stories about that. Why not? You guys I could really I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. Oh, and, and parenthetically, you mentioned my wife, Joanna Gleason. She just directed a movie. Ah. And it's going to be coming out hopefully sometime soon, but we'll find out. It's called The Grotto. And it's extraordinarily, it's a gorgeous film. It really is wonderful. Is, is this a drama? Is this a romantic it's film? It's a dramedy, I guess you'd call it, about mm -hmm. a woman trying to find her life in her 40s. And she makes a discovery that is earth shattering in her life. And she turns, what, lemons into lemonade. I mean, that's a cliche, but that's essentially <laughs> what happens to her. But she's, it, it's a wonderful movie. And it's very uniquely Joanna. It's funny, and it's at the same time, it's it's wonderfully wrought and beautifully done. I love that. Wow. You two have got a great thing going here. I love yep. it. Yep. So, all right, I've just got to ask my question, which I, I love asking all of my guests, straight from the heart. And I'm talking to the guy that's cooking by heart here. Yep. So, Chris, is there one word or phrase that you would use to really describe to us the centerpiece of your being? What would it be? Uh, a couple of phrases, conquer your fears. Ah. You know, I was scared to death to do this. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And remain curious. Yeah. Like Ruth Gordon. <laughs> Absolutely. Perhaps staying curious at this point in our lives is maybe the most important element. Yep. I find that so many people sit back and they stop being curious. They lose that childlike quality yep. of themselves, which allows them to still keep snuffling out the earth, so to speak, yeah. and, and what's yeah, yeah. underneath and what's between the lines. So I look forward to sharing some of your curiosity as you keep seeking it in your podcast. Uh, and I'm, I'm blessed with a, a number of people, some of whom I know and some of whom I didn't know, who keep sort of feeding this, the, the maw of curiosity of mine and uh, hopefully of my audience. You see, we're talking about food all the time. We're talking yep. about the nourishment that comes from the deepest part of ourselves and, and you're allowing everyone to share it. No. And I think it's a beautiful thing, Chris Saran. Well, thank you. Thank you, Pamela. Wow. I'm having a good time. That's so great. That's all that yep. matters. Yep, exactly. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Good luck Thank in you. all the rest of the podcast. And I hope you have great success with this. Thank and, you. And .com. Just go and click your links and uh, enjoy. We can't wait to hear the stories. And, promise and recipes too, by the and way. And recipes, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Every one of my guests furnishes a recipe. That's one of the requirements. But you realize now you're going to have to have a book to follow on on all. Of I have a feeling we might. We might have to put together something and then, you know, have it uh, for charity or I don't know what we'll do. But we, we may do something down the line. Absolutely. Well, there is a star that shines bright in Connecticut. And today it is on Chris Sarandon. And I really appreciate you being with me. Please don't be a stranger to Center Stage with Pamela Kuhn.com. I mean, okay. write to me, share. Let's do this again. And as things develop, I'd love to hear more. All right. It's a deal. All right. Thank you, Pamela. You bet. And to my listeners, if you go to centerstagewithpamelacoon.com, you'll find more information on my show and WGCH Talk Radio. And in the meantime, thank you again to Chris Sarandon. Everyone, stay safe out there. This is Pamela Coon, and the curtain is now down. 
on Center Stage.